Well, this is The New Activist. My name is Eddie Koffeltz, and it is a joy to be with you today. Today, we get to spend time with Blythe Hill, the founder and CEO of Dressember. Dressember, I love Dressember. It is a nonprofit organization that raises awareness and funding for anti-trafficking initiatives. Since 2013, thousands of people in over 100 countries have raised more than $5 million uh, towards anti-trafficking work internationally, all by wearing dresses. It's a pretty phenomenal accomplishment. And we are together today with Blythe at Liberate, a 20-year celebration of international justice mission. And we are live in front of a very full house of friends here in Frisco, Texas. Friends, welcome to The New Activist. We're glad that you are here. Yes, and we would you please give a warm welcome to Blythe Hill. Blythe, how are you? I'm doing great. Okay, I feel like I got some of those numbers wrong at the beginning. You want to correct me? No, your right? numbers were great. You what? just left out men. We have had thousands of men and women. Oh, we're so gonna last get into year we it. had over 500 men wear ties during Dressember. Could you talk to us about what Dressember is? Yes, Dressember is a nonprofit foundation with an annual campaign where men and women commit to wearing either a dress or a tie every day during December as a way to raise money and awareness for anti-trafficking work across the country and across the world. Okay, how do you come up with this kind of idea? Because it's like, when I heard about December for the first time, it was like a little, um, it's like, how does this not exist already? And it was just like, it doesn't exist. This is just one of those great ideas that was plucked from the ether and is in your mind. Can you tell me sort of where, where the genesis of this was? It was kind of a, it's been a wild journey because Dressember started as just a fun personal style challenge that I created while I was in college, yeah. honestly out of boredom. I was feeling uh, you were bored and did a style challenge. I love that. I was like, you know, being a college student, just stifled by the academic rigor buried in books. And I just didn't have any time for a creative outlet. I'm someone who loves to craft. I love to use my hands and make things. Me and too. I just had no time for that. I'm lying. I'm you, not you good at any of that stuff. You strike me as a crafter <laughs> or a baker. I decoupage like it's my, like it's my job. <laughs> Anyhow, keep Scrapbooker. Going. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I, I thought, okay, I have to get dressed every day, so why not use that as a chance to infuse some creativity into my day? And I came up with the idea to try wearing only dresses for a whole month, and it happened to be in November when I had this idea, November of 2009. And so I'm pretty sure the first time it left my mouth, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear only dresses in December. I came up with the name December. I love puns, and that's a pretty good one. It kind of couldn't, I mean, it's kind of perfect, isn't it, <laughs> right? Yeah, so I was like, okay, now I have to do it. I love that name. And um, it was never something I was going to do more than once. It was just a fun thing, this silly thing that I wanted to do. And then the next year, some of my girlfriends wanted to join in. And I thought, okay, they must be bored as well and, and, or, and or humoring me as their friend. Yeah. Um, and then the next year, the third year, their friends wanted to join in. And so people I didn't know personally were joining in. And that's when I realized like, oh, this is a good idea. People like this apart from knowing me. And I started to dream about what more it could become. And I dreamt about aligning it with a cause and turning in, it into a campaign. Yeah. And it took me a few years to actually do it because I was thinking like, there's no way people are gonna donate. Like we're just getting dressed 
we are not running a marathon. We're not biking across the country. Like we're just getting dressed. Um, but then in 2013, I decided to go out on a limb and try it. I, I saw what Movember was doing and I thought, okay, if millions of, if or thousands of men can raise millions of dollars by growing mustaches, then maybe there's a chance that women can raise money for anti-trafficking through wearing dresses. Yeah. Okay, so okay, take me through this. First in the very early, like, when you're wearing a dress every day that first year, what are you, like, are you, are you posting about this, talking about this? Like, what does it look, what's the, I'm just curious about, like, how the early momentum starts to build. How do your friends that second year and their friends the third year hear about it, know about it? Well, my friends heard about it from me because yeah, we do right. hang out. Yeah, that's a great point. That's right. They're your friends. Um, and, and this was like, it's yeah. okay. But this was like pre-social media, you know, 2009. Oh, that's right. um, I was not an early adopter with uh, Instagram or the iPhone, so it took me a while to get on that train. But yeah, 2009. So just friends saw me doing it, and the next year they wanted to do it, and really like it was very organic. Like their friends had seen them and brought it up the next year. Um, I also had a blog spot cool. uh, for a few years, <laughs> so I did. I, I posted photos on the, yeah, exactly, blithehill.blogspot. Um, I posted photos on there kind of just to prove that I was doing it and also because I was like, you know, outfit of the day, having fun with it. So. <laughs> did you, I, this is a real silly question, but did you ever like regret it? You're like, I am done wearing a dress today. Or is it like, I've because I've never really worn The first it. year? Yeah, I've never worn a dress. So was it like, does it get old after a month? Or is it like, is it okay to wear a dress? I know this is like a real You are really level. missing out. <laughs> know, I've got to really say, I love wearing dresses. Dress number is not hard for me. I wear dresses all the time. I am all about an entire outfit in one piece. Um, so it I makes know. it very easy. That's why I'm waiting. I have said this many, many times, but for uh, like mechanics jumpers to be a thing for guys where I can just like mechanic jumper, shoes, out the door. <laughs> anyway, you could probably get that started. You could, you could start that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure people follow my style advice. Um, so, so you make this decision to then leverage this idea and this style challenge towards, uh, towards helping like anti like human trafficking organizations. Uh, I mean, it dawns on me that you could have used this for a lot of different causes, but something about that resonated with you. Can you tell me the story of that? Yeah, I first learned about trafficking when I was about 19, and um, it just horrified me. It um, really, really shook me to my core, and I, I could not believe that slavery was not only still happening, yeah. but that it is thriving, that it's the fastest growing criminal industry in the world, that it affects millions of people across the world. and. Um, I really, for years, I took for granted, like, doesn't everyone feel this way? Doesn't everyone feel just horrified and ready to do something about it? Because I felt this, like, personal urgency that I had never felt before. Um, and it took me a while to connect that with um, my own abuse story, that the reason I felt so passionate about it and continue to feel so passionate about it is because um, of, of my personal experience. Um, I was four years old the first time I was molested. And for years and years and years, I carried um, the weight of shame and guilt, a sense of responsibility for what had happened to me. And I wrestled with my own worth and 
disposability. And um, I've actually only recently connected the fact that these journeys really were happening at the same time where I was processing and beginning to heal from my abuse at the same time as I began learning about trafficking. And it's almost, in retrospect, I think, um, I think hearing about trafficking and feeling just in my core, this is wrong, this is evil, this is horrible that this happened, and in no way would I ever think it is the fault of a woman or girl, the, her exploitation. And it helped me to then come to that same realization about my own personal story. Like, to name that as wrong, I was able to then name my own abuse as wrong and not my responsibility and not shame that I should be carrying. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, what, what do you think it is that resonates with people so profoundly about Dresember? Because it's kind of like, there's a lot of good ideas in the world and a lot of cool logos and a lot of cool names, right? But this sort of dominates social media in December. Um, it, like, there are a lot of fundraising opportunities that have come and gone, but this one is like a, it, it, I, I mean, it's, it's viral, right? Like every single year, it's like a viral thing. What, do you have any sense of why, what the secret sauce is of this? You know, I think I, I really, I remember how I felt for years of like hearing about trafficking and feeling a high level of passion to do something and also simultaneously feeling just so powerless. It was like, I am not qualified to do anything. Um, and I, I thought about and I prayed about rerouting my career and my life towards one of the like conventional pathways to engage in this issue because I felt that strongly about it. Um, but I just didn't feel peace about doing that. And I just for years, I was like, OK, I guess there's nothing I can do because my my unique skills and gifts, talents and interests don't line up with this. And in fact, they feel shallow. And I feel like I have to choose between my interests and my like global passion. And I think that resonates with a lot of people. I think a lot of this is a very personal issue for a lot of people. A lot of people are very passionate about this and looking for a way to physically take action. And Dressember is just such an easy, fun way to like have a remarkable impact in the fight to spread like hugely important awareness about the issue and then raise vital funding. I would imagine this is for a lot of people the first step because it is such a um it's it's such an easy, I mean, respectfully to the idea, like it's such an easy first step, like sure, I can wear dresses for a month and see why this matters, or I can wear ties for a month and this matters. Like, what have you heard from people? What's like the echo back of what this has meant to people? I love when people write in, because it's, um, yeah, it's like people can, are pretty caught off guard with like, you know, people write in and say like, I had no idea how how powerful this would be. You know, waking up every day and putting on a dress. It's we call it the, our uniform or like our the, the dress is our flag. You know, yeah. and so it's it's like daily and ritually becoming part of this global community of people who are fighting all year round, but specifically in this way during December. It, it's super powerful for people, and people don't have words for it. They're like, I can't even explain what what this meant or what this did to me, but as a result of participating in Dress Ember, I'll never be the same. And it does open the doors. Like they, they 
or I guess it opens our eyes to other ways that they can advocate because this is such a deceptively simple way and yet so powerful. And we really, in all of our messaging, try to communicate like the power of small consistent actions, the power of everyday advocacy and the, the power of, of the collective. Well, hey, friends, I just want to interrupt for a second and let you know that something cool is happening, and it's uh, something happening in our family. Uh, when I came back from this interview, we were all talking as a family about December, and we were talking about how cool Blythe Hill was and how great it is that we can wear dresses and ties and raise money. And uh, we decided to do this together. So my daughter, Lucy, and I are going to do December together, and we have started an official team. We have started an IJM New Act team and we have started our own fundraising page so I have invited Lucy here Lucy how are you good you should ask um what's December what are we raising money for okay so that's a good question what are we raising money for Lucy IJM what is IJM like what do they do they work to for people to get out of slavery yeah do you think it's gonna be hard that we wear a dress and tie every day no you don't think it'll be? You're fine with it? Yeah, I'm fine. But what if you get cold? I'll wear a jacket or a long sleeve dress. And what if, okay, what if you're at school and somebody's like, why are you wearing a dress every day? Someone already did that. They did? Yeah, Emma said, why do, why do you mostly always wear a dress? And what'd you say? I said, because I like dresses. So we're gonna wear ties and dresses the whole month. If people wanna give money to December to help end slavery, do you know the website? Newactivist.is forward slash December. Do I have to say that? You don't have to say that. Do you remember it though? <laughs> <laughs> Newactivist.is forward slash December. Newactivist.is forward slash December. Nice job. And I'll put pictures on our Instagram and stuff. Okay. So if you want to be a part of our team, please uh, come do your own December campaign. You can join the IJM and New Activist team. We can all be on this team together and talk and chit chat online, which would be great. You can join our team. Or if you just want to support me and Lucy as we wear dresses and ties through all of December, please go to our website, newactivist.is forward slash December, and uh, you can spend your money in a really great way. Lucy, you feel good about all this? Yeah. Okay. What do you want to do now. Go ahead, Christmas lights. Yeah. Okay. I love you, pal. I, I, I'm curious, like you have led through some substantial growth. Like this started out as a, like just a, like a style challenge. Like, and now you are, this is your, this is like your whole job, right? Like it's like your full-time <laughs> job. This is like what you do. Um, I, I'm wondering how has your leadership had to evolve as you have, have, led this organization? So much. I bet, yeah. <laughs> um, I never considered myself a leader growing up. Um, I actually went to a leadership conference a couple years ago, and um, the speaker was like, think back to when you, you know, the first time when you were a child and someone called you out as a leader. And I racked my brain and was like, I think the first time someone called me out as a leader was like two years ago <laughs> yeah, when right. I was already leading and just like affirmed me. Yeah. I was like, oh man, that's kind of tragic. Like. I don't know if that's a gender thing. I don't know if um, I'm the youngest of four. And mm. so it was just, I kind of fell in line. And um, yeah, so I, I really always saw myself as someone who supported other people's ideas and other people's visions. So I, I had to grow a lot in really um, 
owning, discovering and owning my vision and then also continuing to expand it as time goes on. And I've had to learn to be more assertive with my vision. I used to try to be really collaborative and ran into some trouble with, um, I'll just say it, with my board of directors a, yeah. a few years ago, just I would come to them and, and want to be really collaborative. And um, turns out people want leaders to be really decisive and, right. and to say, like, this is what I think we should do. And right. what do you guys think? Instead of, like, just kind of go in with, like, hey, what should we do about X, Y, Z? So, I yeah, I've had to grow a lot, and I suspect I'll continue to have to grow a lot. Um, but from what I've seen and experienced, the best leaders are learners, and I just hope to keep learning. Yeah. It's interesting when I read through your, your bio and your like, LinkedIn and everything, and you see like, all the jobs that you've had. Like, you have a really creative background. It's like writer, photographer, um, account manager uh, with other creatives and that you consulted with creative teams. I know you still do some consulting, and now you're a CEO. I, I, I'm curious, like, what do you feel like has, being a, kind of a creative background, what has served you well in the CEO world? And is there anything that you feel like has been like, lost, and how do you scratch that creative itch? That's a really good question. I mean, I think so much of business and well so much of what we're doing at dress Ember is like having a strong brand and having a brand that people associate with or like associate as fun and cool and they want to be a part of it and um and then also we're having a really amazing impact and so making it like yeah you it can be really fun to have an impact on a really like heavy issue so we definitely lead with the fun as opposed to the the guilt or the tragedy of it all um yeah, and I mean, I've just kind of carried through like with the photography and some graphic design that I've done, like how important all of that is in, we don't even realize like when you look at, I mean, maybe you do, but when you look at a website that's great versus one that's not great, the, the then associations you make of a brand that either legitimize it or um, do the opposite. Yeah. It is a great brand, and it's great, like a logo. It's so simple, you almost don't have to know what Dress Ember is when you see the logo. You're like, oh, I understand what this is. So that's really interesting. Um, I, you probably get asked these questions a lot, but I don't know the answers to them. So if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you, uh, why just December? Because in theory, couldn't you figure out a way to do this every month and make like raise 12 times as much, or does it not work like that? Well, I think something that's really strong about it is... Um it is concentrated, you know, where we don't want to dilute that, that it's, it's a month of dresses and ties in December. Um, we do have the campaign season running from October 1st. So we open registration October 1st and people start fundraising early. So it's open now. It's open Monday. Well, yes. I guess, yeah. Both. Um, space and time is weird with podcasting. It's open in October, <laughs> yes. It's open now. <laughs> yeah. Um, through the end of January, and people are always like, why do you stay open through January? And it, well, January is National Human Trafficking Awareness Month, and so we definitely want to keep the campaign open, keep people talking about it, and we also say, like, okay, now the training wheels are off, like, you're no longer in a dress or a tie, but you've just spent a month talking about it, and so hopefully now you feel able to do that in whatever you're wearing. Yeah. Um, and then we've also started launching off-season events. So we launched our first um, 5K uh, 
Bay last spring. Um, so the goal is to kind of keep offering events and ways to advocate in unconventional ways. Do people wear dresses and ties at the 5K? Yes. Oh, interesting. It is a, <laughs> one of our one of my favorite hashtags that we use is you can do anything in a dress. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. And so it was a you can do anything in a dress or a tie, in parentheses, yeah, 5K. Perfect. Yeah. Do you ever get, like, when you're at Home Depot and you're not wearing a dress and people recognize you and they're like, hey. No one recognizes me oh, at Home on. Depot, for starters. <laughs> right. But, like, basically, you're really I overestimating my uh, <laughs> Let me ask the question status. in a not weird way. You always have to wear a dress, right? Or no? You can sometimes not wear. I'm, it's just I mean, the dumbest question. You I <laughs> love pants. I okay. also love dresses. I feel like to be on brand... Uh, right. You know, if I have a speaking engagement, I'll, I'll wear a dress. Cause yeah. I, yeah. But a dress is, it's interesting, the dress is such a symbol, and it actually can carry a lot of weight, right? Like, we, we even saw, like, during um, the last election, like, how many people were talking about the fact that, like, Hillary Clinton didn't, like, wear a dress. She was only wearing pants the whole time. And so, like, this dress is more than just a thing that's simple to wear in December. It's also a symbol. Can you tell me at all, like, the thinking around how you guys have, and how you have kind of um, kind of owned that symbol and how you kind of work, work through that? Yeah, it's a really charged symbol for it a lot of people. Really and a lot of people take one look at what we're doing and make a set of assumptions about what we're uh, trying to do or trying to declare about um, gender roles and um, a whole number of things that w we never intended but are really interesting to engage with people on, um, you know, I always try to back up with people like, wait, 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 I didn't like start out yeah. to create a, a trafficking campaign and chose dresses. It was the dress challenge became the campaign. Um, but I've learned not to shy away from those conversations because I think talking with people about like, well, why is this item of clothing that is, whether or not you want to admit it, like a neutral item, like why is that so charged for you? And then when people start talking about it and they're like, well, I was forced to wear dresses as a kid, or sometimes there are like, um, you know, questions or issues or painful experiences around their sexuality. Um, so it's super charged, but I, I've learned to embrace those conversations and um, those conversations happen best one-on-one -on -one, case by case rather yeah. than, you know, we, we don't try to um, communicate too much to everyone about yeah. that, but we, we do just kind of say like, you know, it's less about the dress itself and more about this idea of the dress as a uniform, the dress as the unifier of our movement and the identifier, um, and as our flag. And it's really cool yeah, when people, people will write like, in and be like, you know, okay, I, I hate wearing dresses, but I hate trafficking more. Right. And so I'm going to do this right. because, because of that. And then, and then hearing from them a month later and they're like, wow, I, I can't explain it, but um, I have been able to totally diffuse this item's power over me. And I feel like I have reclaimed what I allowed the dress to mean. And I don't expect that to happen for everyone, but I love that it happens for some people. It's pretty amazing. You guys have a, you have a t-shirt now on the website that's like the flag is a dress. And I love that. It's just such a interesting and clever reclaiming. Uh, there's a, still a moment in this story that resonates with me because 
Dressember could have gone a couple of different ways. It could have just been making you like a famous person, right? Like it could have just been like riding a viral wave and people like a big style challenge. But there was like a moment in you where you decided, no, we're going to leverage this for the sake of other people. I'm not going to make this a Live Hill thing. We're going to make this about caring for for this issue. And I wonder, like, in your life, I know you shared vulnerably about some of your history, but were there other times in your life where, like, you saw things that were not as they should be or that, like, woke you up to the fact that things are not as they should be and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to help change the world in this way? Or even just, like, the world is not right. We've got to help fix this. Is that always in your DNA, to be an activist? That's a good question. Um, I feel like I've, I've always had a pretty good sense of justice um, fairness. Um, I remember my sister, I have an older sister and she used to get bullied super bad. Um, and she was, she was three years older than me. And it's this like family story in our family that this one time on the school bus, she was just getting picked on by these girls every day. And I, um, I just like went up to the, I don't know where I, I am not a fearless person, but I think because it was like, no, this is my sister. Like you don't mess with, you know, you don't mess with my family. I mess with my family kind of a yes, thing. That's right. But I went up to them. Right. I went right up to them. And so I was like a third grader and they were sixth graders. And I went right up to them. I was like, listen, you like, I mean, I'm obviously guessing what I said. I know two words that I said to them, but I, everything else I'm kind of filling in. I was like, you need to stop messing with my sister. And I called them. There were two of them. So I called one of them an airhead and one a fart factory. Nice. And they never picked on her again. That's an incredible burn, though. Like, you're, you're going to go for it. That's the way to do I it. I mean, yeah. four-letter words for a third grader. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, if, if, like, if, for you, I'm, I'm wondering, like, you are very creative, very smart, you come up with this idea, and you're also like a really young entrepreneur. Like this is... Uh, <laughs> Thanks for saying that, yeah, for yeah, thinking yeah. that. Um, I'm curious, what is, what do you feel like is on the horizon for for you and for Dressember? What do you see as how this goes into the future? It's a really fun problem to have to keep growing my vision for it. Right. Um, I think, you know, every year I'm like, how could it possibly get any bigger? Last year we set a goal to raise $2 million and I was like, okay, we'll see. Like, we'll see if people show up again. And, and we raised almost 2.1 million. And this year our goal is 3 million. And that just feels bonkers. And I mean, I think yeah, as it's grown, the vision continues to be um, to have to have an impact on the trafficking fight and to be able to support more and more partner organizations that are that are fighting this issue from different angles from different parts of the globe. Can you talk about those partner organizations? Obviously, IJM is privileged to be one of them, but also there are two others, right? So historically, yeah, we, we just announced nine new partners. Oh. Um, so we have a total of 12 now, like t like today or yesterday. So oh, that's funny because the last time I was like, oh, she can talk through like two more, but now you would have to do like 10 more. But can you talk through sort of generally the, the portfolio and, and also how do you select it? Because there's so many great organizations in the world. Yeah, so IJM is our original partner. We call them our flagship partner. The, you guys are the, the largest partner. You receive our largest grant. So last year's grant was $1.2 million to fund nuts. the Mumbai office. Yeah, um, and, and, then, and thank you. I hope, and I'm sure we've said that, but <laughs> well, thank you. It's I unbelievable. Mean, it's just really cool when there's like a really a mutual gratitude. Like I just feel so grateful that we get to support the work that you guys are doing because it's incredible. You guys all know that. It's just 
wonderful. Um, so I want to keep doing it and do more of that. Um, and then A21 is our second international partner. And um, we added a domestic partner in 2016 called the McMahon-Ryan Child Advocacy Center in Syracuse, New York. Um, and then just yesterday announced um, nine new domestic partners across the U.S. So we, we tried to find a partner in every region of the U.S. Um, that was a little tricky. We invited about 20 organizations to apply. So we do have an application process um, that's by invitation in the spring. And then we have um, oh, a so vetting process. by invitation. So they're not even like you're not getting like a thousand right. for every random. We're, we're not. We cannot handle that at this point. Right. So it's just it is, a lot of information structure for you to be able to handle that. So yeah. you're inviting people to apply. We invite yeah. people to apply. And then we have um, internal review as well as an external committee, a grant advisory committee of experts in different arenas of trafficking. Um, and so kind of all summer, we're going through the vetting process. And, um, and then we announce partners in September. And we just announced those. That's amazing. And people can sign up now. And like, I, I mean, this has got to be, I, mean, I know how exciting it is for IJM to be one of those partners, but like, what do you hear back from when you, do you get to make the call? Like to the partners, like, hey, we accepted yeah, your application. Yeah. How, what's it like? What do you, It's awesome. I mean, organiz they're, they're thrilled at the invitation yeah. because that doesn't happen very often in the grant making world. Usually an organization has to spend a lot of time and, and devote staff to seeking out grants and applying for grants and then never hearing anything back. And so for us to reach out to them and say like, hey, we think you're great and we want you to apply for, for this grant, they're, they were floored, they seemed floored. And then and then we wrote them back regardless. And they, I mean, obviously, if they were approved as a partner, they're thrilled. And yes. even the ones who weren't really appreciated that's, hearing back. It's very dignity preserving, right? So you I hear mean, nothing. yeah, it's, we, that is one of our core values, treating people all throughout, like internally and externally, internally with the organization with dignity. And um, we don't want people to sit and wonder and wait yeah. on that. So. What advice would you give to, I, I know that there are probably people listening to this, like walking to class on the subway that are hearing this, that have what they feel like in their heart is the next great idea. That's going to somehow change the world or raise a bunch of money. They have the next December type idea. Um, what would you offer them as, as a bit of advice for how to take that from an idea to a thing? I think um, just start doing it. Take steps. Um, ask for help. I think, you know, sometimes we, we glorify people who are able to do everything by themselves. And, and I struggled for a while with like feeling ashamed to ask people for help when really like we can't do this alone. Like the collaboration is so powerful, so effective and efficient. Um, so I think finding other people who are like-minded, um, who can, uh, provide expertise in in areas that you can't. Um, that's super helpful. And then I think for me, it was um, learning to be willing to look silly. <laughs> um, that like in the beginning, I was like, okay, this could totally flop, and I could look really dumb. Um, you know, here's this girl who thought she could end slavery by getting dressed, um, but I I really. Had to that. decide it was worth the risk. You know, right. it's worth it. I took out a dry erase marker and wrote on my bathroom mirror, one is greater than a thousand. If you can help one person, it is worth risking looking like a fool to a thousand people. Yeah, that is incredible. Um, 
the show is called The New Activist. And we ask this question to, to all of our guests, but I'm particularly curious, like what, when you think of an activist from your vantage point, how, how would you define an activist? Um, yeah, I think of an activist, I mean, we call December advocates advocates, but I feel like it's yeah. pretty interchangeable. So I, the I show guess, was really close to being the new advocate. We oh, were like, yeah, we had the logo already, but we switched it at the end. That being said, let's hear your more interesting answer than what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think an activist is someone who sees something wrong in the world or in their community and is willing to believe that that could be better, that that could change, that, um, and that there's something they can do to make that happen. Um, and I think it's a willingness to look silly, it's a willingness to be brave, it's a willingness to be creative. Um, but yeah, I think it has to do with seeing and caring and then taking action of some kind, however big or small. Friends, would you join me in thanking Blythe Hill? Well, I am very grateful for Blythe and for Dressember and for all of her activism, advocateism. That's a hard, <laughs> I should have even tried to pluralize that. To keep up with the world of Dressember and to join the movement, you can sign up right now. Go to dressember.org, wear a dress, wear a tie. Also, all of the links to Blythe's social and all of that good stuff will be in our show notes. You're very interesting. You're a very interesting tweet person, so follow her. Of course, the conversation that started here will continue over on the New Activist Facebook and Twitter. Both of those handles are New Activist Is, and our website is newactivist.is. And a big thanks to the brilliance who scored today's episode, tour dates, music, all of that can be found at thebrilliancemusic.com. And finally, a massive thank you to the live crowd that is here today in Frisco, Texas. Thank you all so very much. It was really neat that you were here. This was very, very exciting. And with that, we go back into the world on behalf of Blythe Hill and my colleagues at International Justice Mission. I am Eddie Koffeltz. Take care, friends. <laughs>